0: Welcome to the Caps City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 77. Uh, you've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about putting it all together. Absolutely.
1: Um, if you've you know, ever done any firearms training beyond the skill level, anything where you've gotten into tactics or anything along those lines, uh, the, 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 the words shoot, move, communicate uh, come up. Um, we, we did some stuff on this past Monday where all of the above uh, needed to happen. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that and kind of break things down a little bit for what we did. Uh, and then some of the components of shoot, move and communicate as well. Cause while those are simple things, you break down other pieces within each one of those can be broken down into subcategories, you know, what, you know, what you're shooting, what distances, different things of that nature, you know, different imperatives for different weapons at different distances. And then also talk about the communication aspect of it. Um, you know, different, some of the things that we did, uh, required different types of communication. That communication was some nonverbal, some verbal, et cetera. And then the, the movement, um, the communicate end of it, and then the movement end of it, you know, we're going to talk about some other things with that too, um, as far as like breaking down the type of movement, why it was done the way it was done, but then also um, other thing that goes along with that that we, we kind of harp on, and I know this is the pot calling the kettle black, uh, but cardio matters. So, yeah. so we'll discuss those things. Uh, good, good good, training night, and so we're going to kind of cover that a little bit here. So, all right.
0: Yeah, so uh, starting out, we, we recently um, were gifted a course of fire that we can't go into all the details on. But I will say it involves um, very surgical shooting um, with a rifle and handgun um, yeah. everywhere from 40 yards um, through about 7 yards um, with some movement under extremely tight time constraints. Yes. Um, this was the... First time, just about everybody had shot that course of fire. Um, it's my second time running through it, and I wanted redemption from my first go round because it was <laughs> not pretty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then um, from there, you know, we ran through, um, you know, the series of drills from 40, 40 yards, 20 yards, 10 yards, seven yards. Yeah. Um, and then that got guns hot. Yep. Yeah. Um, got people kind of working under time constraints kind of rattled some cages cause things didn't necessarily turn out the way people thought they would. Um, and also involved yeah. a little
1: bit of up, down, a little bit of movement, etc. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing crazy, nothing that, that somebody who, you know, if you're somebody who getting out of your car and walking from your car into McDonald's, get your heart rate up, um, this would have been something that probably wouldn't have been pretty for you. But generally, you know, if you try and avoid McDonald's, then it's you'd probably be okay doing this. Um, I, I thought it was a really good course of fire. Personally, I thought the constraints for accuracy were reasonable, mm-hmm. but the time constraints, holy crap, you can tell it was designed for some young studs, um, or, or not so young studs as the case may be. Um, the, you know, And, and so it was, uh, it, it was really good stuff and it definitely got your attention, especially when you started to score it. Um, the scoring constraints weren't necessarily all that challenging except for the fact that we added about 50% onto the time yeah. and still had trouble making the time. So there are a couple of us who I felt pretty good about the scores that I shot because the classification I probably shot at about 90% of, of the level needed, mm-hmm. which would have been passing, except I was nowhere near the actual times. And I don't think I was even within the 50% overtimes, except for maybe one or two of the drills. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it was tough, and it was definitely a get, get your brain working, get your heart working, get your eyes and trigger working together and driving the gun. Um, because of the time constraints you threw out early on and who you said it was for, I just kind of assumed that it needed to be fast, and I chose to go faster more than accurate, and it just so happened that I got lucky and shot pretty well.
0: Yeah, I actually, so I ran this same course of fire about a week ago, and... Focus more on getting the time part. and yeah. Actually, made most of the part times. Yeah. Um, but the accuracy completely fell apart.
1: And and I and I totally get that. I told because it was it was tough. Um, but suffice to say that that was a really good. Okay, get your head screwed on straight because now it's time to do work. Kind yeah. of set of drills. And that my understanding from what you said is that's basically what that's for for the folks that use it. Yeah. Um, is they get your head on straight. Now it's time to go do work. So.
0: Yeah, this um, was a a drill that for the the place it came from. Um, If they did not successfully complete the course of fire, um, they sat on the bench that day. Yeah. And it's the type of place where you don't sit on the bench very many days before you go somewhere else. Exactly. Exactly. So,
1: yeah, so we ran that set of drills. Um, And again, takeaways there were, you know, I I chose to make the hits, but I chose to do it with alacrity, realizing that I didn't think there was a chance in hell I was going to make the time hacks anyway. Um, Understanding that even with the 50% over what I'll call the fat boy civilian extension of time. um, I I still think on probably half of them, I still didn't make the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, absolutely. But I think that's also a good thing. I mean, I want to run. I I love to run qual courses and run against guys who beat me and run against qual courses that are harder than I can do. So I have something to aspire to. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good beginning to the day.
0: Uh, the other thing that this did is um, because we're going to start doing some movement, um, some team stuff, and everybody was kind of dressed more in civvies, mm-hmm. um, this burned six, 36 rounds of rifle ammo in a, like, a full magazine plus part of another magazine, mm-hmm. um, which kind of got some people thinking of, well, shoot, I've only got so many mags with me, and how am I going to do everything else I need to do? Yeah, and,
1: and I'll, I'll throw, I will throw a counterpoint to that. Um, I'm a civilian. There's a very, very small likelihood that I'm ever going to go to a second mag on any gun, much less a rifle. Um, And there's a reality check, too. I'm also old, um, and I'm not going to carry a whole bunch of shit around. I'd rather have what little bit of mobility I have left rather than a 12 mag loadout. And so there's a reality check, too. Um, in, In our world as civilians, until things have flat out melted down, the idea of covering fire is probably not a great idea. Uh, from a legalistic perspective, I mean, there, I'm not saying there's not ever a situation, but from a legalistic perspective, from a responsibility of where those projectiles are going perspective, if you're, if you're just, you know, keeping hedge down, um, that's, that's great if you're in the military and it's applied properly. But I, I don't know here that it works, not that it's not a good skill set to have in your belt or tucked in your hip yeah. pocket for if the world does actually go to hell in a handbasket. Um, so I chose, I did choose to throw an extra mag in my back pocket. Um, that I didn't get to. So, you know, I chose to go with the accuracy route over yeah. the, you know, burn it down route.
0: So, yeah, cool, cool. Um, yeah, we had everybody score targets, do some math, which again was a little bit of a mental, <laughs> uh, CF. Yeah. And then started walking back up the range. Um, we got to about 150 yards away. Give or from, take. Away yeah. from the targets. Uh, by the way, that first drill was run on, um, IPSC targets and scored, um, with the A zone, C zone, D zone. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. want to
1: get any further in depth than that, and I yeah. apologize, guys. I'm not trying to be weird, um, but it's it's a it's a set of drills that are not open source material. So,
0: um, um, yeah. yeah, and then for the movement, we had a what is that a 24, 24 tall by twenty wide piece of steel. Yeah, I it's think. it's
1: it's essentially an IPSC, It's essentially an Ipsyk target. But in
0: steel, big rectangular piece of air 500. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to about 150 yards and then proceeded to do a um, what we call a center peel down the road um, with four guys active at a given time, um, other guys acting as safeties and observers. Yeah. Um, the idea was, you know, this was, again, more focused on getting. Call it reasonable, you know, hits for weapon systems. Everybody's yeah. running ARs that night. Yeah, um, mostly
1: AR pistols.
0: You know, hitting, getting two, maybe three hits on the piece of steel, and then giving the next guy, you know, an opportunity to engage, so that the previous shooter um, could get back to his next position, moving away from the target, away from uh, the threat, to, yeah. away from the threat to break contact.
1: Yeah. If and if you if you've ever watched any promo video for the Navy SEALs um, that came out of like probably around 2000 or earlier, um, they show a video of, of, a, a DD Mal or an Australian peel or a reactive contact front drill kind of deal. And basically the gist of it is the, the point guy is going to dump an entire mag toward a threat and then run between his guys back the trail. The next guy's going to dump an entire mag toward a threat and then, you know, move back through his guys to the back of the, the column again. And you're, you are advancing to the rear, um, as Justy Puller put it, um, yeah. tactical advance to the rear uh, but away from a theoretical overwhelming force or an ambush, you're shooting your way out of that ambush. Um, we we chose for safety reasons and because it's just silly to burn up ammo like that for us as civilians, we chose to say, "Hey, get two or three hits on the target, and then and then that's that's your cue to move and go mm-hmm. on." But we did that probably for another 60 to 70 meters or so off of 140, 150 back to around 200, and then broke up into two man teams. Um, so spread out perpendicular to the target and then advancing as two-man teams to the rear beyond that from 200 to 300 yards. Um, in, in almost every situation, as you're doing the center peel, you're dropping to a knee. You're, you're assuming there's terrain, micro-terrain. There's, you know, there's concealment, not cover, etc. cetera, yeah. um, et cetera. So you're taking a knee and doing your thing. Uh, some of the guys, when they got back around 200, chose to go prone, chose to do a little bit of extra work to go to prone, a little slower getting up but a little stable, more stable to shoot from. Um then when we broke across to the two hundred yard and moved back as two man pairs from there as a four man element. Um, you know, we were covering each other. So, you know, two two guys are firing, making hits, not just blazing the way, but making hits uh while the other two guys are moving. You know, in theory, you're you're up, you're moving fifteen. Probably fifteen meters should be about it. Maybe twenty if you're fast. I'm more not, likely
0: like probably ten. More
1: likely ten um if you're slow. Um and, and we, we uh I think we probably stretched out some of those distances a little further than we should have, but not significantly. Yeah. We were pretty honest about it. But then you're dropping back down to prone, and re-engaging, etc. Um, so all of this stuff we talk about the shoot part. The shoot part was early on doing the up close stuff, and the shoot part was at the 150 where it's easy to hit that target. Um the move part comes into play here. What kind of fitness levels do you have? What kind of strength levels do you have? And I say fitness and strength, cardio and strength, because popping up and moving is a strength thing. Being able to do it multiple times is a cardio thing. Yeah. Um,
0: and moving in this case is really sprinting. Yeah, it's absolutely. And it's it's just yeah. move, move well, it ten to fifteen yards. As fast and it's as you also can.
1: get the heck back down on the deck yeah. quickly too. Which, if you don't have the strength part to catch yourself, you're probably going to injure yourself. Um, we've got a couple guys in the group that are not young. We've got a couple guys in the group that are banged up. Um, one of the guys fighting with a knee that's that's bothered him off and on forever and has really get really got his attention. Um, and then, and then a couple of guys who just in general, like, like me, just don't have the cardio capacity, you know, that, that we need to, I like pounded weights around in the gym. I don't like running. I don't do distance. There are not, there's nothing in Ohio that will chase me further than I'll run out of ammo. Um, and then eat me. Uh, there aren't bears here and shit like that. So I don't, I'm not running for distance. I'll go run sprints if I want to do a little bit of cardio, but even at that haven't, you know, had a jacked up wheel here for the last six months or so. Um, I could tell, I could definitely yeah. tell. At the same time, it was really good to move. It felt good to get up, get down. It felt good to move. It was uh, I really enjoyed that aspect of it because it's a good test. Even if you don't do it every week, you're not out doing this type of movement. Um, it, it was good to do it you know, occasionally just to remind yourself, hey, this is a good reason that I want to get behind the sled push in the gym or I want to go run you, know, four, you know, 10 sprints in the backyard. 10 40-yard sprints is a quarter mile um, yeah. and probably a whole lot more cardio work than running a quarter mile, um, you know, so it just was a reminder, I guess, of that. Mm-hmm. A really good one, a harsh one. So,
0: Yeah, and then, you know, coupled to that, you know, the need to make, you know, man-size hits, you know, out three, 300 when your heart rate's north of 150 or 160. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also having the situational awareness of, you know, what am I doing? Um, what's my immediate buddy doing, and then what's the other fire team doing here you know, that's 20 yards away?
1: And that's the communicate thing. Um, a number of the guys were running suppressors. Um, so two-man team, you're moving, you're making sure your buddy's up. Um, if your buddy calls out loading or something like that, or you happen to see him roll to get a mag, you know that's communicating too. Um, communication goes both ways. There's a receiving in for communication that can be visual on your part and that would just be paying attention to what the hell's going on with you if you see your buddy rolling over to grab a mag and he didn't call out loading guess what he's probably still loading um let's assume he's loading and keep firing um you know when you get set up and you're covering for the other guys they get up and move when they hit the deck and you hear their gun start talking again when they hit that second shot um per shooter you know which auditorially you can generally keep track of if you're paying attention if yeah. you can you know, I joke in the shop that multitasking is disappointing two or three people at the same time. Um, but there is a real world aspect to I'm on the target. I'm pressing out good hits, not just taking shots. I'm pressing out good hits. And I hear to my left, you know, 30 yards away, whatever. I hear somebody start to, to, to heat it up a little bit. It's like, okay, cool. I know they're up and running. I might give out a courtesy call that I'm moving, but I'm not going to wait for them to respond back with the move. You know, we're going to go. And by the same token, if I'm hearing it, and my partner's not hearing it. Then it's incumbent upon me to yell at him, kick him, whatever, get him up and get him moving too, so that he knows. Because we call it, you know, you mentioned getting sucked into the target um, or or sucked into the task, whatever the task yeah. may be. Um, you know, so we were we were pretty focused on that. And I think in general, we had a couple guys who got sucked into the target, but they got it. They they're like, oh yeah, I totally see that. And so while we're out there to learn, mm-hmm. so that's what we were doing was learning. Um, the communicate end of it in this case, though. Is often nonverbal. It's it's uh, it's it's situational awareness, paying attention to what's going on around you, and reacting to that appropriately.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where you know on the target, the kind of the call it the commander's intent was that you got you know two to three hits. Yeah. Um, but it was really you know take two or three shots, give your other guys time to move. Yeah. And then get get away from where you're at because you're facing this you know overwhelming force opposing you. Uh, And there's oftentimes, you know, as shooters, you know, we're trying to you know shoot until you make the hit versus, you know, have I given my guys enough time to do what they need to do and then, you know, go do something else.
1: Yeah. And we're also back to the idea that, you know, at a a certain level, the ability to make hits on a man-sized steel target with a rifle really shouldn't be something that's incredibly taxing. That, that really shouldn't be the hard part of the drill. The hard part of the drill should be the aspect of movement and communication and coordination with your peers, with your team. Um, you know, so at this stage of the game, and I think most of the guys in this group um, weren't really having big problems making hits, but they were getting sucked into beating on the target because, I'm sorry, hitting a steel plate with a rifle's fun. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Uh, You know, so it's a matter of just making sure you're, you know, there's also uh, something that I know that you've mentioned before that I'd never heard until you brought it up that you learned from tactical response. Um, And I'm sure that all the guys in the military right now are going to go, oh, he must have been in the Air Force. Um, Rifleman's cadence. Yeah. I'd, I'd never, until you mentioned that terminology, I don't know that I ever, I'd ever heard Rifleman's Cadence, and it's the idea that while you are absolutely shooting at a target while you're covering somebody else while they're moving, um, you can do that at a pace that isn't just burning down mag after mag after mag after mag. Having said that, um, if the bad guy is 150 yards downrange with a PKM and he's not shooting at you, you should be burning that asshole to the ground with lots of rounds really, really quickly um, with hits that count. Yeah. So the rifleman's cadence is more of that. I've got a target, so I'm going to press off good shots, not just slap the crap out the trigger and send rounds by him. Um, You know, I think it's Churchill that said there's nothing more exhilarating than having been shot at and missed. Um, That goes for the bad guys too. You know, you feel like a hero if you've been shot at and snapped by you three or three times and nothing hits you. Um, Although I do like the videos where we where we crank somebody with a PKM. You know, one of our snipers drills. It's kind of cool. All
0: right. Yeah. I mean, there is a, a need to. You know, if you're and this is a lot, often you know distance dependent um you know i can i can be very effective very quickly yes you know, at 25 to 40 meters yep uh, i need a little bit more time between shots you know at 300 meters yep um and especially you know as civilians in the event we are in here you know, the the gunfight that will be written about in books and songs will be
1: sung in valhalla, sung
0: valhalla. yeah Uh, you know, I've only got the ammo I've got. I've only got the guys I've got. I don't have artillery. I don't have rotary or fixed wing air support. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, There's generally not, you know, mortars on standby. Um, So being able to, you know, manage ammo and turn ammo into time and distance is very important.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And then also, you know, we spoke about this just before we started. There's also the reality of that as a civilian, um, if I ever find myself in a, in a, in a peel, in a center peel type situation, in a, in the civilian world, um, I would opine that we're no longer in a civilian or civilized world. Um, yeah. Things have melted down. So some of this is a little bit esoteric, but there's still good skills to know, good skills to have. Um, it, it's 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 again, it's a lot like having some of those like ranger skills. Um, I'm probably never going to assault an airfield, um, you know, and take it away from some dude who's you know got. Uh, a wife with way too many shoes, or something like that. Um, but there's a reality check that you know some of those skills, that shoot, shoot, move, communicate, have a modicum of fitness, so that you can do those things. Um, is, is not a bad thing to have again tucked away in your hip pocket.
0: Yeah, so. it also really forces you to have mastered the uh, basic marksmanship skills needed yeah. to make the shooting part of the drill, you know, somewhat subconscious. Yeah. So that you have the mental um, bandwidth to focus on movement and communication.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the things that I noticed that we had uh, that, that our group of guys does pretty well that I see a lot of less experienced shooters uh, not do. Our guys get into position quickly, get settled in, and make the first hit. Um, and they do that with alacrity, but they don't outrun their sight picture and outrun their trigger fingers. We had a lot of guys getting into position quickly, getting the shot off in a timely fashion, but not rushing it. Um, one of the things to be aware of when you start doing this kind of stuff. The Bad guy's keying off of muscle flashes. You can see, you know, dust move. You can see some muscle flashes in the daylight if you're looking in the right direction. So you,
0: um, got the, you know, short barrels and big comps.
1: Yeah. So when you start getting into these positions and take the shot, um, it truly does come down to, you know, he, he who gets there firstest with the mostest, that means making that first shot hit. And I, I saw a lot of our guys doing that. Um, I saw a couple of them rushing the shot after the fact and missing with the second and third shot, which is a little bit frustrating um, because it's the same mentality. But as a civilian, those rounds have to go where you want them to go or into a solid backstop. So, you know, be aware of that, that even if you're training with some of this stuff, if you're keeping hedge down, um, probably probably not in the lower 48, probably not a good idea. So, you know, train to make the hits no matter what. So um, what were the takeaways other than, holy crap, I'm out of shape, Um, and don't get sucked into the target? Yeah. Or, or the broken gun that's the case yeah. May have been.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah I actually broke uh, a law folder the little loop that holds the law folder closed um, yeah and, and, and not
1: and not like and not like kind of broke like, like catastrophically completely, broke. The yeah, gun completely was down
0: broke the guns hard down yeah and that's the um, first
1: time we've seen that um, in five years of law folders that's the first failed steel law folder I've seen and yeah. I'd be really curious to know that that was that was interesting. That was an yeah, eye opener.
0: That, that gun's getting taken apart today, and pictures and things are getting sent to law. Um, yeah. we'll keep you up to date on what's going on with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: and honestly, the you know at that point we were back at three hundred. Yep. Um, the exercise was effectively over. Uh, my concern with the gun is that I couldn't put the gun back on safe. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if I had a live round in the chamber, an empty round in the chamber. Sure. Um, so it was a bit of. How to in a training environment? Okay, how do we render this gun yeah. safe from a you know nothing's going to get to the trigger and make it go bang? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's something like a law folder. In the event it fails, or if you get other you know different call it you've modified the operating system on your weapon, um, being able to to run the action when it isn't working yeah. correctly uh, causes all kinds of extra things going on. Absolutely, um, especially in a high high stress type um, environment
1: absolutely and something to bear in mind too you know we talk about guys getting sucked in and not moving when they should have been um broken guns suck people in you want your freaking rifle to work especially when you're at 250 or 300 yards and so you know having that hey your gun's down screw it let's go let's move let's get you know let's get away from the bad guys and keep moving yeah. um and maybe you know maybe you become the guy who moves with your team member but calls out targets or or you're the guy with your team member who calls out hey the other guy just set up let's go let's go let's go let's move you know kind of thing uh, yeah. figuring out figuring out a way to be useful when the rifle's not yeah. because at 300 yards you're probably not doing anything with a handgun effective, right. um, you know. So definitely things were learned. Um, and by people who've done it enough that you know it's it's always interesting when you come up with a tidbit like that. I I thought that was probably one of the better learning points of the night was hey crap happens how do I make myself useful yeah yep absolutely so uh
0: yeah micro train um uh, on the range we're on there is once you get back far enough. You start to run into some micro terrain type situations yeah. where you can be in a depression and if you're prone, um, you're not able to see the target that, you know, is three feet off the ground, Yep, um, 250 yards away. Uh, also, things like shooting benches, depending on where you're offset, you know, with your movement and things, um, start to be, you know, barriers to where yeah. you, know, you got to move off to the side a little bit yep. or, you know, get up above them or whatnot. Um, So kind of being aware of those things, you know, as you're moving back, being able to read the terrain, yeah, um, either use it to your advantage or, you know, be able to set up appropriately once you get to where you're going. Well, and
1: and we all want to drop the prone at 300 yards because it's the most stable, but the reality check is being competent from kneeling, um, you know, squatting if you can do it, um, kneeling, or whatever the case may be, all of a sudden, wow, you know, it's the same thing about guys who... Um, our target shooters or bench shooters want to put a bipod on their gun to go out in the field and hunt. And the reality check is, a, a bench shooter's you know six to twelve inch or six to thirteen inch bipod generally in the field is nearly useless, except for it adds more weight to your gun, so you're getting a workout in. Um, yeah. You know, so bearing some of those things in mind, you know, you experience some of those things in the field where it's like, wow, um, that the you know the bipod wouldn't do me any good anyway because I can't see over the earth between me and the bad guy. And for the bad guy, that's called defilade. um, It is for you too, but it's also impeding you from doing your job. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I, honestly, I think we got lucky that the grass had recently been mowed. Yeah. Because um, if the grass had not been mowed, um, things would have been a lot been more. Been a interesting. whole lot of
1: kneeling. Yeah, and i and, and and with that, oh, more more misses because it's not a stable position. So, but man, it would have been a lot better to get up and down. So, you know, I really <laughs> enjoy getting up for kneeling a whole lot more than prone. So. Um, yeah. Fat boy does not like burpees. So. Yeah,
0: I would say you know if you've got a tribe that you think you're going to be, you know, working with at the end of the world, um, these are exercises that you want to figure out um, multiple times. Um, be fairly competent, you know, working with each other. You know, make sure everybody's squared away from a safety perspective. Yeah. Um, you can do this with dry guns. Hell, you can do it with Nerf guns. Yep. Uh, literally, you know, the Nerf guns that shoot you know foam darts yeah well if you're in the um, army you
1: did it a whole bunch with finger guns yeah, finger yeah I, mean, guns. If, if you, I mean if you went, I mean if you went when you went through ait you did some of this stuff dry um, no guns before you ever did it with anything hot so you know there's, there's yeah. it's legit
0: but the the movement and the communication part you know really needs to be squared away um and it's equally important to the marksmanship stuff and getting hits on target
1: Yeah, yeah. as well the safety aspect of this um if you don't have a legit rabbi who has recent, relevant instructional experience doing this kind of stuff? Um, it's not something to go out and try and do on your own. It's not something to go out and learn on your own. Um, you know, there are certain concepts like staying in your own lane of movement. Um, you know, in knowing where you can move within your team. Uh, you know, if you're both moving to the rear and your buddy beats you to the ground and setting up on the gun, and you decide you want to be inside of him, uh, you just cross the muzzle. Um, you know, so there's some things out there that this is this is not for somebody who's not done this before. You want to be taught these things by somebody who, uh, again, has taught them at a either a professional level or a real world level at some point um, or has taken the training and, and understands how to communicate everything to everybody and lays down things like range limits, movement limits, what your lanes of movement are and different things of that plus yeah. plus what common communication Uh, modalities you're going to use you know we've got some common things we use as a group that everybody pretty much knows some of the guys are trained other places where they use slightly different words but it's the same idea Um, and understanding what those things are within that group
0: yeah i've done a lot of you know small unit stuff down at Tactical response um, and their high-risk civilian contractor series of classes Um, also their fighting rifle class Um, you do a good bit of two-person movement type stuff yeah um, highly recommended uh, if you're in Central Ohio. It's about eight hours to get down to Camden, Tennessee, yeah. and do stuff with tactical response. Uh, we've also had a number of guys in our tribe go out to Max Velocity training in, I think it's is it Culpeper, West Virginia.
1: Uh, it's in West Virginia. Yeah, I don't know West where. West Virginia.
0: Yeah. Um, Google Max Velocity um, training. Um, Max is a good dude, uh, former British para. Um, his terminology is a little bit um, Anglican. <laughs> uh, compared with some of the stuff we use in America. That's uh, <laughs> actually caused some humorous um, miscommunications on the range. Yes, But that tails for another night.
1: Yeah, and I would I would also throw out there, um, if you are going to go take a class like that, um, HRRC or the Max Velocity stuff, and I'm going to say especially the Max Velocity stuff, it's in West Virginia. There's hills and mountains. Do your flipping P.T., Yeah, Uh, because there is a PT test before you can even start to do his class. And down in Camden, um, it's sandy and nasty and clayey and crappy, and it sucks. Um, Make sure you are are in shape. Do not be a liability to your team because you are fat and lazy.
0: Enough said. Yeah, cool. Um, Yeah, if you're listening to this when it first runs, uh, you're probably catching it on the end of our summer break. So thank you for giving us some time off. Um, please join us on social media. We are at Facebook and Instagram as long as they let it stick around. Um, you can sign up for our weekly email newsletter um, either on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. Um, yeah, we'll be back open um, our COVID hours on Tuesday. July the 7th, um, 10 to 5, and then we're running 10 to 5 Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, We are limiting it to four people in the store, um, kind of from here on out, um, partly due to COVID, partly for security based on the George Floyd stuff. Um, Yeah, hope to see you all soon.
1: Thanks much, guys. Appreciate it.